I don't know if y'all have heard the Beachland Ballroom by Idols yet, but yo. That's my joy. joy. Hey, yo, displace the guilt. What's good, friends and family, neighbors, near and far? Welcome to a brand new season of the Yo, That's My John podcast. The podcast, website, brand, movement, way of life, dedicated to the embrace and championing of your passions. I am your host, Nate Runkle, a.k.a. John Didion, a.k.a. Johnald Duck, a.k.a. Ray Jonathan, a.k.a. John and Kate plus Nate, a.k.a. Jonatello, a.k.a. Nate 3.0, back once again with another episode of the podcast. As always, I hope this podcast finds you all in good health and in good spirits. A little later on, I am joined by the incredible Nicole Atkins. I have been a fan of Nicole since I first heard Neptune City years ago. I was obsessed with that album. Seriously, if you've never listened to it before, treat yourself immediately to 43 straight minutes of pure sonic brilliance. I am 100% honored to have her on my show today, and I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Well, what's up, folks? Long time no see, or, you know, here. I hope you don't feel like I ghosted you. You feel like I ghosted you, don't you? I kind of did, didn't I? Because when last we spoke, well, I spoke, you listened. Well, maybe you spoke. I didn't hear you. Well, I couldn't hear you. That's one of the setbacks of this medium is this conversation that I have with you week in and week out. It's so incredibly one-sided. Okay, sorry, I'm sidetracked. The last time we spoke... I said, hey, join me next week. And then, and then I didn't. I didn't join you. I apologize. I had meant to do one more episode before the summer break, and it fell through. And then it was summer, and I needed a break. I know. I should have at least called or left you a Dear John letter. But I flaked. I'm sorry. I flaked, okay? And I hope you can forgive me. And if you're joining us for the first time this week and this is your first experience with the show, you're probably confused as shit right now. So just to catch you up, I'm Nate. I'm the host. I'm a DJ, singer, songwriter, author, podcaster, and from time to time, I can be a flake. There. I said it. Anyway, I hope you guys all had such a groovy summer. But now it's time to get back to business. It's time for me to get back to business. I have some great guests lined up for you this season. Starting with... My guest today is a singer, songwriter, musician, whose powerful voice and luminous songwriting has mesmerized audiences with an otherworldly charm. Her fifth album, Italian Ice, recorded at the legendary Muscle Shoals Sound, is available now. You've seen her on Austin City Limits, Conan O'Brien, David Letterman, Jules Holland, and folks, you are about to see her here. Gang, it is my honor to welcome to the show, Nicole Atkins. All right, I think we're going. We're going. Cool. I look good. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am joined today by the great Nicole Atkins. Nicole, thank you for joining me on this show. Yeah, nice to meet you the other day. Uh, yeah, I absolutely. So um, f- for the listeners, I don't, uh, I haven't recorded the intro yet, but uh, the, the, they will have heard this. But uh, uh, we met at the Exponential Music Festival. And uh, it's actually, I want to say, like, how many of those have you played? I think that might have been my fourth. 
Okay. So I'm yeah. pretty sure I was there for three of those four, but um, afterwards we uh, met and you agreed to do this show and I'm still kind of in shock. Um, I love the name. Oh, well, <laughs> that's my job. I mean, how could I say no? <laughs> the, the name gets me pretty far. Um, yeah. So I like to start everything off um, always talking kind of about like how um, you and your art and your music kind of came into my life. All right. So um, 2007, uh, it should not be a surprise uh, when Neptune City came out, XPN um, was playing it a lot and I became obsessed with that album. Right. Really? Yeah, it, it was it was absolutely phenomenal. Like I'm a production geek and just the production on that album is so stellar. And then your songwriting and your voice on top of that, just I was absolutely obsessed with the album. So then I saw you at one of the Exponential Music Fests and uh, you finished playing and I just posted this tweet. It was something like uh, Nicole Atkins just blew away the stage or something like that. And yeah. as I'm still sitting there in the audience, you replied and you were like, thank you so much. And I was like, I was like, oh, my gosh. Uh, and now. <laughs> yeah, and now fast forward, kind of the same thing except for in person, and now we're having a conversation on a podcast. So I appreciate it. Uh -huh. And um, here's my question: uh, 88.5 um, is uh, has, plays a pretty big role uh, in this podcast because I'm such a fan of it, and the music styling pretty much mirrors my own. Um, how is your relationship with 88.5 kind of? Uh, where did that come from? Did, was that organic or? Um, they were one of the first stations that I was introduced to when I um, re recorded Neptune City and had to go around and do all of like the radio meet and greets. And they were just so easy to get along with, you know, like I'm from Jersey. They're from Philly. It's just kind of like the same but different. And um, they let me DJ. They let me guess DJ. So really? I got to play some Zappa and some can and we just became buddies. That is so amazing. Yeah. The station. That yeah, it's I mean it's it's honestly the best uh, station uh, in the area, um, possibly yeah. in the country. I, I know there's other, but uh, look, they I'm a take homer. Chances on things, you know, they don't play what they're told to play. You know, they t they play things because they love it. Yeah, and and beyond you know, being. Yeah. Beyond being a radio station, I also like really appreciate the community they've kind of yeah. uh, created. So. Um, Definitely. But, it's, it's great community, the World Cafe and, you know, all of the things that they put on for, for um, you know, the city. It's just great. It's incredible. And your performance um, that day was absolutely stellar. Um, it was Thanks. incendiary, um, to borrow a, uh, yeah, yes. uh, it was great. Uh, yeah, that was one of our first gigs without our keyboard player. So that worked oh, really? out well. Oh, you wouldn't yeah, I was like, this yeah, it was so great. So uh, let's let's completely rewind to a very tiny Nicole Atkins. When you're a child, what kind of music is like playing in the house? Like what's what's going on? Oh, so much. Um, there was a lot of Michael Jackson playing in the house. There was uh, a lot of the who because Tommy just came out on HBO. Oh, and nice. You know, the Grateful Dead. There was. A lot of um, oldies, you know, those cruising classics, kind of like Frankie Valli and um, Jackie Wilson and Roy Orbison and um, a lot of George Thurgood, and really? who my dad just saw in Atlantic City last weekend. He was pumped. And um, yeah, just tons of music, lots of Fraggle Rock, lots of Jim Henson. Um, and then 
you know, MTV kind of came into the picture and it was a lot of uh, like Lisa Stansfield, Lisa, yeah. Lisa in the jam, digital underground, um, anything they played on MTV. Perfect. I love it. Um, so you, you started playing piano, I believe first. I wanted to, I, I got <laughs> piano lessons when I was nine and I got them from this guy named Duke Shea who had a ring on every finger and he was just hell bent on me learning to sight read and I could play by ear and I wanted to learn Led Zeppelin. And I was just like, come on here, check it out. This is Led Zeppelin. And so my mom tells me that he died. So my lesson stopped oh, and then no. I find out later that she didn't want to let me know that he quit because I would only uh, play by ear and she didn't want me to think that somebody quit on me. And I was like, do you think that's better to tell me that somebody died? <laughs> you know, she's Sicilian. So, you know, that's how they roll. <laughs> that's uh, that's so you're know, playing by ear. Like, uh, do, was, were, did you have like a musical household? Was were there instruments in the no, house? No one. No one in my family was musical. We had a piano at the house. And so I would, you know, teach myself songs and pick them out. But I never like to like sing. I never like to sing in front of people unless I'm on stage, you know, okay. or my parents were at the bar too late. I'd get all the other kids like assembled into like some little, you know, we'd recreate one of the videos from like in living color and like do all the dances. Like if I, in, unless I'm performing, I don't like. And even now, like, I don't sing around the house. I don't sing in the shower. And then um, I found my uncle's guitar. My uncle passed away when he was 13 from, like, a freak accident. And I found his guitar when I was 12 in the attic. And so I would, like, sneak up there and teach myself. Like, I'd go to, like, Sam Goody in the mall and buy music books. Like, I bought, like, a Lemonheads book and a Grateful Dead book and a Fiona Apple book and taught myself how to play. That's uh, I I kind of I don't know if you saw the glow. I was a third key at Sam Goody for a good portion of my life. So, yeah, I miss uh, it, man. It's giant plastic boxes. Oh, <laughs> it was the greatest place in the earth. Neon, pink neon. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so you start teaching yourself how to play guitar. Um, how quickly do you start writing your own music? I didn't start. So I started playing guitar when I was twelve, but I didn't write my own music till I was twenty-one. Oh, really? Yeah, I would always play gigs and I'd always sing in people's bands and play covers out and always played bars and restaurants. And it wasn't until I graduated college and um, went to this local venue in Asbury Park called The Saint. And I asked for a gig and he's like, well, you know, we're all original music now. Do you write your own music? And I said, I lied and I said, yes. And I had two weeks to write 45 minutes worth of songs. And it was like once I had a deadline, I was and also like I was away from school in North Carolina, like I had some i had experiences to, that i could actually write about yeah and do, then that became like my whole focus did it do any of those songs still exist were they any good um they exist but i hope that no one ever finds them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know it was like that thing where it was like oh wow cool i can write a song but it wasn't necessarily what i wanted to listen to yeah you know i was just stoked that i could do it and then after a while and I started doing open mics at the sidewalk cafe in New York and going down to the Pontiac grill in Philly and the fire and playing and uh, meeting other musicians, you know, and seeing what they did. And then I was able to, you know, craft my sound. And I found a, a, one of our friends was a producer and he helped me like, what movies was I into? Like, what was my family? Like all of these things about my life influenced the sound of 
what my sound is. And the girl group sound that came from it was more so out of necessity of I can't play lead guitar, but I know what I want to hear. So I'll just sing it and stack it and harmonize it. Okay. So it had a, you know, a girl group thing happen to it by accident. Yeah. Um, so when you're playing um, kind of those open mic nights and stuff like that, um, and I, I, I asked this because um, I was kind of around in those times, probably playing um, the same open mics, if not the same night, but whatever. Um, who, were there anybody else around that you can remember that were kind of playing at the same time or? Well, in New York, it was um, Langhorn Slim and Regina Spector. Okay. And the Peaches. It was a really exciting time because everybody was like unsigned and just hanging out and sneaking beers into places and yeah. pieces of pizza because we're all broke. And I had a Dodge Ram Charger that I actually learned how to park on South Street because um, my best friend was going to UPenn. And we'd always go to the Kyber and oh, see yeah. all psychedelia bands, you know, like the Three for Tens and um, Aspera Ad Astra. And these like really great psych bands that were happening in Philly. And that was really inspirational. I was just going to say like uh, that, that scene around that time, like was just really something special. And I don't know if it's because I aged out of it and there's a cool scene that I'm missing right now, but I just. Oh, I wish there was, I think, I don't know if you aged out of it. I think a lot of, you know, bands just stopped or, you know, went on to do other things. Like I know my friend Jamie from the three for tens, I mean, his dad owned a, uh, um, an Irish pub that serves pierogies hmm. in Philly. Apparently, really good pierogies. Yeah, he always. Said I can, I never have time to go, but I want to someday. I love pierogies. I would like to check yeah, that out. Um, they are the best. <laughs> so, so you're kind of playing these open mic nights and stuff like that, and you're kind of crafting your sound. Um, what you know, somewhat previous to that, but are you still doing covers at this point? Like, what kind of? No. By then I was doing all originals, but um, I did have a gig every Wednesday in New Jersey at an Irish pub that I played from like 1030 to 2 a.m. And I would do like pavement covers, like I played Range Life and um, Sebado. I used to play Skull from oh, Sebado. I did like, you know, just like a lot of like college rock songs, you know, yeah. and then when it got popular and they moved me up to like Kelly's, which is like their bigger bar. And on a Friday night, which is just like drunk construction workers that want to hear Bruce Springsteen, I got fired after that because I don't know. (laughs) My problem always, um, I've hosted a bunch of open mic nights in my life uh, where uh, no other musicians show up. So it just ends up being like, you know, Uh, um, is people would request songs and I'd be like, oh, I like, you know, if it was like Bruce Springsteen, I'd be like, oh, I know Bruce. And then like I'd play like some obscure B-side and everybody would be like, are you going to ever play that Bruce? And I was like, it was two songs ago. You didn't love it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And like from those days, though, it was the first time, like I remember playing one of my own and somebody being like, who's that? And I was like, that's me. And they were like, that's great. And I was like, it is. Yeah. (laughs) I've got confidence from that. And or another time, like I remember, I forget where it was in Philly um, at the Pontiac Grill, I think Um, I got booked with a with a like hardcore punk metal band. And I was like, oh, my God, you know, I'm just like this like little girl with her acoustic guitar. And they were so nice to me. And this guy, Toothless George, that <laughs> came out of that band. We're still in touch. He lives in San Diego now, but he's a one man band. And That's awesome. got, like teeth missing, plays everything, you know. So it's like genres never really mattered back. then. 
you know, yeah. everybody was, you know, just seeing what everybody else did creatively. And that was what was so fun about it. Yeah. I mean like that, that like, again, that, that time period, like, and I think, you know, stations like 88.5 and stuff like that mm-hmm. kind of breathe that kind of no genre uh, yeah. threshold, you know? Yeah. Like where can you like turn on the radio and hear like Linda Ronstadt and can Right. Like, or like play a local gig and say to the DJ that comes like, Hey, play my stuff. And then like, takes like Adam Franklin from Swerve Driver to be there. Like, Hey, you should play your stuff. Okay. Yeah. You know, that's happened to me. Um, did you, did you find it hard getting into places early on or, um, where was it very receptive? Like, well, it wasn't, it, it wasn't easy cause you didn't know where to go. Yeah. Um, but in our area, there were so many places, you know, you could go to New Brunswick, you could go to New York, you could go to Philly and you could go to Asbury Park. And so that little, you know, our little chunk of, you know, the planet had so many things to do especially yeah. in the summertime. And uh, I worked, I ended up taking a job at the stain after that. I worked at the door in Asbury Park. And then I would go up to the office and I saw all these boxes of CDs. And I was like, do you go through all these? And he's like, nah, I should. And I was like, I'll go through them. And so I ended up like booking nights and booking shows. And I started, you know, and I knew that I love being in the scene, you know, and I knew that I wasn't writing songs yet that I wanted to listen to, but I wanted to promote other people that, you know, I love. So I remember like I went to college with Avic brothers and I booked their shows in the back of a restaurant that I worked at with oh, wow. Regina Spencer and Lighthorn Slim and got a vodka sponsor. <laughs> it was a mess. It was like, yeah, free vodka and That's chicken wings. But, you know, I always just like, come from the mind of if you don't see if you can't find what you want to be part of make it happen yourself absolutely absolutely you know it's you got to do stuff for the culture rather than just for the paycheck yeah definitely you know um one of the uh other things that i find um really kind of interesting about that is um you seem to uh collaborate really well with people so that like coming from that scene makes so much sense of kind of building those shows and being around you know that many different people yeah. um has it always been that way like have you always played well with others or so. yeah you know i just i like i don't like to be alone you know and i have a solo i'm a solo artist so any chance i get to collaborate with other people it's like that's just a really fun way to hang out yeah. You know, and take away from it. Like instead of being like, hey, let's go get lunch. And we're like just sitting there eating food in front of each other. I'd rather sit at my house and have some lunch there if you want with some guitars. Yeah, absolutely. Make paintings. That's it, it, it's that's incredible. Um, so how what was the uh, what was the pivot point, do you think, when you started writing music that you wanted to hear? Like, can, do you, can you pinpoint a song where you were yeah. like, did it? Yeah, I had the song Skywriters. That was the first song that I did that was like really like well produced and kind of Echo and the Bunny Menish and eerie sounding. And it sounded like Shark River, which is the neighborhood I'm from, like the river at night. That's what I wanted it to sound like. And, um, you know, it sounded like me. And I like noticed that when we'd have parties, you know, that's when I'd be drunk and be like, yo, check me out. You know, like <laughs> yeah. when I watched, 
like when it wasn't like friends like hey play me some new stuff when it was like me just getting in people's faces like listen to this this fucking shit rolls you know but uh and i went into this bar 2a one on avenue a in the city and i had like four songs that were my demos and i went up to the bartender and i was like hey i just finished this and he put it on and he put it on repeat all night and all these people kept being like what is this what is this and i was just like oh "Oh my god you know and that was such a great moment and then after that like i had um my um collaborator dan chen like came up to me at a party and he was like i heard your demos do you need a band and then we had a band and then like i'd always have a bag of my demos with me and like you know i would just go to bars and get drunk and hey here take this take this you know which is kind of cringy now but like you have to you have to do that you know but you have to do that in a in a way that isn't just like here i want you to do this for me like you have to be cool you have to hang out you have to get to know people ask them about themselves genuinely i just love people you know i'm a people person and um i think like eight months after i gave the demo to this one guy he emailed me that his sister was a music lawyer and she liked it and she wanted to meet me and it turned out she was like at a huge place and like discovered the arcade fire and and then I started working with her and like she just like our shows went from like all of our friends in the Lower East Side to like you know suits and three dinners and it was all very exciting it was funny because it's like I can't pay my rent and I'm eating a four pound lobster how does this work (laughs) right well you you know Yeah. And, and like those kind of moments, like it is kind of like just a, when you, when, when the call comes, you better be ready. And, and you had the talent, you had the voice and, and, and the songwriting that, you know, it seems like you were definitely ready. Um, was there any struggle kind of making that transition to looking out into the audience and all of a sudden? No, no, there never was that. I mean, I think it's been a process throughout the years of doing it for 15 years that it gets better all the time. Yeah. You know, especially too, like touring without a crew, you really work on your comedy chops while you're waiting for shit to get fixed because you have to fill up the time, you know, and also like being of the mindset of, you know, Oh, like going from, Oh man, only 20 people came to like, okay, 20 people came. How do we entertain the fuck out of them? Yeah. You know, you the show went from like, are people going to like me to how can I make all of these people feel great? So in a way you're like a drug dealer. <laughs> it's a hard job. People, everybody had someone said one. Well, you've got great drugs then. Um, because, uh, <laughs> I do very successful at making people, um, hi. Uh, so then major label comes knocking. Um, what what what's that like to have kind of that behind you um i mean it for me it was kind of like a no-brainer it was there was a lot of like indie labels that were interested too but it was like when i went to columbia and saw like pink floyd and barbara streisand on the wall i was just like i mean like this never happens to a person like me i gotta do this you know yeah and even though it didn't work out i mean it worked out where you know i got to skip a few steps you know, which was good and bad because I was like used to things being a certain way. Mm-hmm. And then I, you know, took some years and some interesting albums or harder albums to figure out how to how I can make it work on my own in, yeah. in the way that like feels good for me. You know, so I always just try to think of like my work as a life's work, 
you know, not like it's good for managing expectations, but it's also, you know, it's nice to see the bigger picture of like, you know, a long life and a body of work. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, um, that is one of the things that like, uh, uh, that I love is that, um, as obsessed as I said, I was with Neptune city. Um, it wasn't like, it wasn't a peak, you know, it was definitely like a, um, um, like an explosion of like the big bang. It was like the big bang of, of Nicole Atkins talent, you know, uh, yeah, definitely was like an introduction to my like weird little world. Yeah. You know, um, there's a story and, uh, I think it might've been on one of the first world cafe interviews, um, that I remember hearing, I, like, I, I know we're going back. I walked in on David die. I walked in on him peeing by accident right before oh, that. No. Interview. I was mortified. I was like, Oh no, I didn't see anything. But I, was, I didn't see anything. <laughs> um, Oh Man. Uh, so, um, but the thing that came up in the interview that I always thought was really interesting was the story about Bruce Springsteen coming to uh, the bar that you go to and, yeah. you, weren't, and you weren't there. Um, and I've always been curious, have you met Bruce since then? Yeah, a few times. Yeah. He's awesome. I mean, uh, the last, I, it's been a long time since I've seen him now, about maybe eight years. But last time I saw him, I was jogging. I was oh, walk jogging yeah. on the boardwalk and, you know, I was like, shit. And he, I just hear Nikki and like, no one calls me Nikki. And so I see him with his hat on and his, he was with his cousin. Like we just dipped into a bar that wasn't open yet. And like, I told him about me getting married and showed him the place that I was living at. He was like, Oh man, that place is so cool. I would like to hide there. I was like, I'll leave you a key under the gnome. <laughs> he's such a, he's such a nice guy. Genuine dude. Yeah, he um is kind of this is going to be an amazing pivot, by the way. Um, but he is kind of um what I think embodies um now everybody says like the Jersey Sound or something like that, but I think even beyond yeah. that, there's some there's like a fraternal nature of like people from Jer bands from Jersey. Um mm -hmm. and and here has been my theory. Um, and maybe you can back it up. It's literally just Asbury Park, right? Like everybody kind of, yeah, I'll say yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. it's such a hub. Like, I feel like it's such a brilliant hub of music and, um, it's just certain places that have that, you know, like Asbury Park or Detroit or Los Shoals or where it's like, there's no reason for it. It just happened to have some talented people be born there. Yeah. You know, it's great. You know, and and move it, to York yeah. or LA, you know? Yeah. Um, it's this, it's the same way I feel about Philly, um, at times. Um, it, it, but like Philly works very weird in, in like waves of like, it's a scene and all of this stuff's coming out of it. And then it's quiet for a little bit and then it's a scene and all this stuff comes out, you know, but too, you know, it was the super quiet scene before, you know, I got signed and I think there was a, the band, the parlor mob, they got signed. It was like, that was like the 2006 to 09 summer was like a very, it was a rejuvenation of Asbury Park's music scene. And um, I'm not sure what's going on there now, just because, you know, I live in Nashville now, but they, I mean, the town, like, I mean, there's $22 lobster rolls now. Yeah. So was it's back. 
Yeah, I was just in uh, Cape Cod and a lobster roll was 30 bucks and I I was about to flip the table, but then I paid 30 bucks for lobster rolls. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I remember getting my grand, me and my grandfather lobster rolls. He's like, I would like to try that. And it was 40 bucks or 44 (laughs) bucks. And like, I was like, I didn't even get a drink. It's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. It's totally wild. Um, Yeah. Yeah. uh, So another thing that um, uh, I, really really uh find uh fascinating about you is um Mm -hmm. your choice in covers um Mm. you you pick very like they're not even always obscure like you just pick really good like oh yeah that is an amazing song why do you know like and you you do it enough that like you put your own kind of Mm, on it i don't know what that yeah <laughs> I, what you... need, I only do covers that like when i hear it i can hear myself doing it or rearranging it in a way that like almost kind of for me makes it like my song yeah you know it's, and i get so excited because it's it's not that often i i hear things in that way it actually happened today with jacques Burrell. i was like oh and it was like an emotional roller coaster you know like it's a it's one of my favorite things yeah to happen. I, I, I just hear a song in my way. I just heard this week the um, different drum that you did with uh, Scott Bradley. Oh, yeah, and, yeah um, I didn't even putting that out. I just was, went to his house. He's always like, "Hey, get in front of this camera and sing the song." I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that answers that question because I was going to be like, "Where did that come from?" Because it's it's like a perfect song for the both I love of that you. Song. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I always that song at my at my bar gigs. Oh, really? Yeah, now, and, I, and then. I transitioned it from that song into the laws. There she goes. Cause it's the same oh, I like it. I like it. See, I'm a big fan of that song because, uh, uh, and this comes up a lot in, uh, in this podcast and I can already hear the listeners going, Oh Christ, here goes Nate, but, uh, written by Mike Nesmith and, um, yes. Mike Nesmith's solo. Al- yes, exactly. Uh, Mike Nesmith's solo output is like one of my greatest unsung things. Isn't it? it yes. Movies is sci-fi, homemade sci-fi movies. He does yeah. with his family. So it's crazy. A, he's the best. Cool guy. Yeah. I, I would love to talk to him someday because uh uh sure. strangely, um Fine. the the monkeys have been like a, a backbone of my life, like my entire life. And yeah, uh me too. Me too. they were one of my first loves. So who was your favorite monkey? Uh Mike uh was. Uh even as a little kid. And I think it was the hat. Who was Mickey. Oh, uh, okay. Because he was uh, funny. Yeah. Yeah. No, he... um uh, To the list, the, the list of questions. Monkeys plays heavily on that list. Oh, really? Oh, spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. Um, spoiler I, alert. I did, a, I did a whole segment of this podcast, and that's why I make this joke, um, that I believe the monkeys should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and until they oh, are inducted. Thank you. They should. I mean, that whole thing is a crock of shit anyway. It really yeah, is. I mean, what are they going to like... Start- like in sync into the rock and roll hall of fame probably they will we we did we did this but um i feel like and and this is no slight what was that tina turner's not in the rock and roll Hall. i know i know uh there's a lot harry nielsen harry nielsen yes it's a shit yeah but dave Grohl is in for the foo fighters and i like the foo fighters but what the fuck I like them too, but like, give the guy some time to get old, right? You know, I said, uh, I, 
I haven't written them off yet, but there is a time and I feel like it's in the next two or three years. If there is a Weezer induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, who is a band that I like, I think. Um, yeah, but still. That's the tip that's going to push me over the edge. Until they get to be my dad's age, they shouldn't be in there. Yeah, I, I'm 100% in agreement there. 100%. Um, here's, so here's a question for you. Uh, the, your latest release uh, from last year, Italian Ice. At any point, did you think about calling it Water Ice? Because I'm from Philly, so. <laughs> no, never. No, Water Ice. Okay, now what about a Philly remix album of Italian Ice? And it's called Water Ice. Think about it. If somebody wants to do it, let me know and I'll send you the stems. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. You hear that, guys. So make it happen. Yeah. We got to keep it Philly in here. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, call so make it happen. <laughs> I, I would love to. Um, I would. Lo- that would be actually a really good collaboration. Um, would be yes. the two of you. Have you? Um, have you uh, bumped into him around? Because uh, I actually was- bumped into him like way back in the day outside the fire in West Philly, and uh, yeah, I used to see him at Brooklyn Bowl all the time because he DJed there every, every Monday, I think. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's a great guy. He's a really great guy. Um. So uh, one of the other things uh, th- about the covers that I had to bring up is that cover that you did at the XBN Fest of Seven by Prince. Oh, I got so much shit for that because we weren't ready. <laughs> it sounded great. Oh, thanks. Thank you. Um, I will also take this time to apologize to WXPN who sent me a copyright infringement uh, notice for posting that video. But Did they? Yeah, they did. <laughs> oh, shit. Well, you send it to me because I'd like to see it. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, uh, I'll send it to you. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, they, they, I think I'm not 100% sure. I think it's because I use the Exponential Music Festival logo, but I wasn't going to push. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right so, yeah. Okay. Okay. But, uh, but I'll send you the video. It's great. It's really great. Um, how did you how did you pick that of all of the songs from you were looking for a song from 92, right? Yeah, I was looking for a song from 92 because that's when XPN started. So they wanted something for their anniversary. And out of all the songs on the list, like that was one of my favorite songs, you know. And when I started playing coffee houses in high school, like we used to always do a giant acoustic jam of seven. Oh, it's awesome. It's a good yeah. one. Um, mm-hmm. to- so you're, you're touring now. Um, is that is that the band that you had there um, at the fest? Yeah. Is that the touring band now? Um, my band. Aaron. Amazing uh, uh, on the album as well. Are they? Uh, is that your? Uh, no, the album was actually, uh, you know, Binky Griptite from the Dap Kings and Jim Scovunos from Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds and oh, wow. Spooner and uh, David Hood from the Swampers that like played with Aretha Franklin and everybody. And, yeah, um, Spoon and Carl from My Morning Jacket. Like the the band for the album was insane. <laughs> wow, a fly on <laughs> the wall on that one. Yeah, real for real. Thankfully, we had there's a YouTube video of the making of it, and I'm glad we had somebody there to document it. Oh, I gotta check it was that just out. Five days of the perfect storm, and everybody was available. I couldn't believe it. Uh, when did you record that pre, pre uh, the world? Yeah, yeah, pre the world getting all funky. What was what, what was it like releasing an album, kind of with all of that going on? Because you can't promote it really, right? Yeah, I started doing a TV show in my attic. Like my husband did the sound and my neighbor did the video. And I it was like a variety show where I'd sing. I would like sing the song to tracks <laughs> and like put a disco light on in the side and be like, oh, like, you know, Whoa. and 
it was ridiculous, but like it just seeing how other people would comment, yeah. let me know like, and see my parents on there. Like, Holy shit, they know how to use YouTube. And, um, I was able to just, you know, see the camera lens and be like, that's the audience in there. Yeah. It's, so. it, it's weird. Um, that's kind of how this whole thing started. Um, it was originally just a website where I wrote music articles and then the yeah. pandemic came and I started doing like weekend jams. And then this podcast came about, like, I, I, I honestly feel like, you know, good things out of bad, uh, that the pandemic did more for music and people's love of music and live so. music, you know, like definitely like shows right now feel like a million times as good as they ever have. And, you know, just even seeing how, like, you know, we haven't worked for 18 months and all the, like the fans that like stepped out and bought a record, bought a t-shirt or like tipped the band on Venmo. Like it yeah. was really heartening to see. And it gave me something to look forward to every week. Yeah, you know, I never thought like hosting my own little show like Wayne's World, but I loved it, you know, and I hope I get to do it more. I think under the, better circumstances, hopefully, yeah, but definitely, you know. I think the the craziest thing about it is just how easy it was. Like we all had these studios just at our fingertips for all these years. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, yeah. and like childlike minds where we just want to make stuff. Yeah. You know, it's fun. It's fun to be a giant kid. Absolutely. All right. Are you ready to I'm take ready. the jauntlet? All right. I'm for, ready. For the so um, I didn't explain this uh, previously, but the one hit wonders actually um, were revised recently because there was a bunch of them that um, people like it was not even up for debate. Um, and I don't know why I put them together. Like one of them was like uh, David Lee Roth or Sammy Hagar. And um, yeah, exactly. One person, one person said Sammy Hagar and I won't sell them out, but it was, it was Bill Schmidt's. Um, but, uh, but, uh, anyway, so here we go. The one hit wonders, one hit wonder, number one, Billy Joel or Elton John. Elton John. Hand okay. down. Yeah. Billy Joel um, sucks. No, a, a full on sucks. Okay. Okay. Well, I've had no Elton. I've had no Billy Joel's yet. So this is starting to be yeah. my new Sammy Hagar. Uh, yeah. Billy Joel is the new Sammy Hagar. Um, number two, yeah. Debbie Harry or Joan Jett? I take them both because they're both very different. See, yeah. Joan Jett for the passion and Debbie Harry for the style. I like it. I like it. Uh, number three, Aretha Franklin or Tina Turner? Again, both. You can't pick one of those. One's the queen of soul. The other one's the queen of rock and roll. Yeah, that that's actually how this um, this one ended up in here is I don't know. There was like this tiny, tiny controversy a few years ago where uh, Aretha was in her feelings because um, Beyonce called uh, Tina Turner the queen uh, during an awards show. <laughs> it's for all queens. Exactly. All- I, uh, there's, look, you can I mean, be a monarch it's on that list. She ain't bitching. She's working. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, next one, Nirvana or Pearl Jam? uh nirvana i guess because they were first yeah okay okay uh, uh yeah. this will be in the past uh when this airs but um friday is the release of Nevermind, so i'm going to have to ask do you remember the first time you heard nirvana yeah i remember the video and i remember being like whoa this is so cool and i remember going to the sam goody and buying the cassette single and uh i still have it i think i still now, have mine too yeah. Like millions of dollars by now. Nope. Yeah. 
That's great. Yeah, I um, I've, 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 I might have mentioned this on here, but um, my mom turned me on to Nirvana. So like, that's the coolest. Oh, like, cool. uh, yeah, 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 yeah. She was like, I think you'll like this band. And I she played it for me. And I was like, what is it? Where? where? Why did you find yeah. this? You know, like one of those moments. Yeah. But, that's great. Um, cool. uh, next one, Janis Joplin or Stevie Nicks? Janis Joplin. Okay. Okay. She, um, she had something that was just like a once in a lifetime thing. She really did. She really did. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, like, you know, everyone can hear peace of my heart and stuff like that, but some of those yeah. old blues jams are just, Oh my God. I, I wish she had an easier time. It would have been lovely to see what else. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, Beatles or stones. I mean, I love them both, but if I had to pick, it would be the Beatles. Cause yeah. the Beatles, my Buddha, the Beatles are my reason for everything. Yeah. I, I can definitely see that. I can definitely see you know, that. I'm a, my favorite Beatles, George Martin. Oh, even, I can, that even makes more sense than anything I think uh, anyone has ever said. Consumer. Yeah. You know, he, he let the Beatles be funny. And that was, you know, what was so endearing about them and so connected. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, last one hit wonder Bohemian Rhapsody or Stairway to Heaven? Bohemian Rhapsody for the vocal, Stairway to Heaven for the um, instrumental. Okay. Yeah. I can, I can definitely get behind Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. All day. Yeah. I, I 100% agree with that. Um, it's another one of those ones, though, that like um, I feel bad picking one, but. <laughs> it's my least favorite Led Zeppelin song. But, yeah. I'm an over the yeah. hills and far away guy. That's me. Like, that's. I love the rain song. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. It's so like that song was a totem for me. Of like, I want to be in this song. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, so that was the one hit wonders. Now we have the top ten countdown. Um, I use John in here um, uh, <laughs> as we all use John to mean anything you want. So it doesn't have to be music if you don't want it to be. I tend to okay. lean that way, but anything you sure. want it to be. Uh, okay. So question number one: What was your first John? First John was uh, Fraggle Rock. Really? Yeah. Do you use the Waze app? Uh, no, I use Google Maps. Oh, okay. If you use Waze right now, they have a feature where you can make Red, uh, red Fraggle give your and directions. Red was so annoying, though. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, if they did a Uber, it would be so much better. It was fun for, like, one trip, and then all of a sudden yeah. it was like, oh, no. <laughs> red? Gosh, it's annoying. Um. <laughs> And uh, I have to ask, so uh, have you heard anything from the Hensons yet uh, after your comment? No? Not yet. Okay, good, good, good. Uh, Number two, what's your current John? What are you into right now? Current John is Jacques Brel. Yeah? Yeah, I just love to like listen to him and pretend I know what he's singing about. Like, it's like, I don't need to speak French, but I can feel what he's singing about. And I paint and I feel like I'm somewhere else. That's awesome. I love it. Um, any any uh, particular song that you gravitate towards more than no, just, just Alexa play Jafra, but no Alexa, no no Alexa. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, that's really funny. <laughs> uh, number three, what was the first concert you went to? It was the Monkees. Really? Actually, it was Liberace. It was Liberace at Monmouth College, but the first one I went to that I was like, yes, I'm stoked for this, even though I was dazzled by Liberace and his dancing fountains. 
Yeah. But um, it was the Monkees 25th anniversary tour at um, Trump Plaza. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was Herman's Hermits and Gary Puckett in the Union Gap opened. That's an awesome bill. That is an awesome, awesome bill. Yeah. Um, were they all there or was that one of Mike's yeah. sojourn? They were all there? Mike wasn't there. Okay. But it was Gigi, Mickey, and Peter. And me and my sister were just in heaven. That's awesome. That show... <laughs> Uh, I don't know the last time you've watched that show, but it's still absolutely brilliant and it's yeah. timeless. It's really funny. Yeah, really it's good great. to just have all in the background at all times. Yeah. Um, this is a, a question uh, that uh, I don't know um, how it trans. I don't always know how this translates when I ask other musicians because mm-hmm. um, they're usually so busy. But uh, what was the last concert you went to? It was last week or the week before I went and saw Lucy Dacus at oh. Brooklyn Bowl. Nice. And uh, this girl, Pale Hound, opened for her. She's from Philly. She killed it. Really? And we just all cried. It was great. Oh, it's awesome. Sounds like a great yeah. show. Um, that is. like For the longest time uh, during the show, that answer for me was the same thing because of the pandemic. And it started to feel like, is this my last concert? Like, am I ever going to go to music again? But thankfully. Yeah, um, yeah my last concert concert before the pandemic was uh, refused. Wow, so we're at at uh, some place in in New York or in Brooklyn, and uh, it was refused. And then I went and saw the Binky Griptide Orchestra. So it was like two totally different yeah. things. But I got them all in, and I'm glad I did because I remember at the time being like, "This is crazy." Yeah, like just we, stick with one. I was like, "No, I want to see it all." We went to see um, Mondo Cosmo the night of lockdown so like at midnight they locked everything down and it was like we we left and then that was it (laughs) yeah i was supposed to go see the black lips and then they canceled the show yeah right before well we got through it though right we're here we're we're striving exactly uh number five what was your favorite concert you've ever been to there's so many but like off the top of my head would be uh, one of my favorites was Tame Impala in 2011 at the Bowery Ballroom. Wow. It was awesome. And like Kevin lost his voice, but it didn't matter. It was just like, I was like, I mean, usually back then I'd be like at the bar talking to somebody and that whole show, I was like right up front, like never going to die. <laughs> you know? Oh yeah. So, them and like any hive show just because it's, it's just the energy like yeah but, that's like a slap you in the face kind of that's yeah it makes you feel alive absolutely uh number six who have you never seen live that you wish you would have living or dead uh jeff buckley or roy orbison <sighs> yes uh, i've seen it on like i kick myself Brilliant. Um, one of my one of my little mental things in my head is that um, it's a very specific. I wish I saw Jeff Buckley, which is um, mm-hmm. Jeff Buckley played at the Grape Street Pub in Maniunk. And I wow. can't imagine what that would have sounded like. Like it, it, it just I it, incredible. It would have been the best show you ever saw. It would have been yeah. your answer to number five. That's 100%. And then, you know, um, Roy Orbison, um, and, 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 and I don't agree with this statement. Okay. But I've heard it twice. Mm -hmm. Someone says I do an amazing Roy Orbison. Uh, (laughs) I've heard it twice at live shows that like, cause I, I, I'll cover like, uh, handle with care and, um, um, 
I forget what else. I've, it's, I'm completely blanking right I now. But uh, but someone came up to this old couple came up to me and they were like, you do an amazing Roy Orbison. And I was like, I swear to God, if you could tell me what I could do with that, I would. Yeah. <laughs> like, That's awesome. But I, I don't know why I brought that up. Uh, <laughs> numbers. That's the best compliment in the world. <laughs> it really was like I, I, I was like dumbfounded by it. Like I was like, oh, yeah, oh, thank you. <laughs> like, um, And those are the best compliments because, you know, they're not bullshit. Right. Because you're like, yeah. no one would make that up. <laughs> like, no. No, no one would tell you that. Yeah. That's a lie. So specific. Yeah. I appreciate it. Uh, speaking of appreciation, number seven, what is your most unappreciated John? What's something you champion for that you think needs some more shine? Um, this band Cotton Mather from Austin, Texas. They have this record or two records called Contiki and the big picture. And they, it's Robert Harrison's band. They're just really inventive and amazing. soulful and cool. So, All right. Excellent Cotton answer. Mather. Excellent answer. Number nine, name an artist whose output you will consume anything they put out, even if you have to be uh, apologetic for it. <laughs> uh, the Swedish band Dungen. Um, love to see. I, I love them. It's incredible. Nick Cave mm-hmm. and the Bad Seeds. Um, yeah. Okay. Those- perfect. Perfect. The 10th and final question of the top 10 countdown. And I hope you're prepared for this. What mm-hmm. is your favorite John of all time? Favorite John of all time. What can I have too? Sure. Ave Maria. Oh. The best song. And um, Santo and Johnny Sleepwalk. Oh my God. Song. Yeah. And so, also another, th- like if you could put those two things together, you would almost get your sound. Like, yeah, <laughs> think about it. You. But That's no, think about it. Like, yeah, write that down. Right, and and like I'm the tattooed on my chest. <laughs> but seriously, like you know, um, just the the kind of um, atmospherically melodic sound of Santo and Johnny, and then like, yeah, I get it. I didn't make it up. It it makes sense to me. It completely makes sense to me. Uh, so, what's next on the horizon? What are you What are you working on? <laughs> Going to dinner. Oh, uh, sorry. I, and I have, uh, I, I re-recorded um, Italian Ice in Memphis at a really beautiful studio called Memphis Magnetic with uh, a string section and a piano player. And wow. we did all this. And so we made a film of it and a vinyl. And we announced that in a couple of weeks. That's unbelievable. That is cool. How did how did that feel with the strings? Like just loved it, and I, I you know just singing. I felt really connected to my singing and like performing, and I I realized that I want to make a whole record like that. So yeah. My next record, I'm going to spend the next year just working on how to make new standards. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, oh, it, it, do you have a title for it? Because have you thought about water ice? <laughs> I'm sorry. No. I'm coming back to um, Nicole, I absolutely appreciate this. Like I said, I've been an enormous fan since Neptune City. Like uh, it, the, that we're even having this conversation um, uh, is kind of surreal to me. So, um, you cool. know, re-recording that album as well. What's that? So I, I'm re-recording Neptune City. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Strings? Be great. Strings, everything, you know, it's just and it's going to have a lot of the songs that we're missing on it as well. Oh, that's, that's so. unbelievable. Yeah. You know, 2007, I was sitting at work listening to that album. And then uh, today, 
uh, as I was sitting at work, I was texting you setting up this interview and, uh, it, it's, it's just weird. It's a weird, like, uh, thing, uh, to me, but yeah, I, so, I so that was never in style. You'll never go out of style. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. Well, here's my last, my last thing. I just want to leave you with you've done Conan O'Brien. You've done David Letterman. Um, mm-hmm. how do I measure up? Am I like uh, close? I mean, they were all great. It's it's just really fun to be on TV, you know. But I think my favorite was Jules Holland. Oh, Jules. I bet. Well, that that's someone who appreciates like down to the note music. Oh yeah, yeah. And it was just everything was live, and all the bands are playing like apart from each other, and it was uh, there was nothing comparable to that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, tell these good folks how they can find you on the internet um, so they can get some followers. Uh, and I C O L E E T K I N S, like the diet. And cool. that's my handle on Instagram and Twitter and all that. All those Johns. All those Johns. I love it. Nicole, thank you so much. Um, I will yeah. gladly uh, say that. Um, yeah, thank you. you- you are my John. <laughs> yeah. You are one of my Johns and I will send you that video. Um, and again, XPN, I'm sorry, please don't sue me. Um, but I took it down. I took it down. So we're all good. Yes. Um, first uh, use. yes personal <laughs> use. I'm sending it to Nicole. Um, awesome. again, thank all you. Right, thanks, my thanks again to Nicole Atkins for coming on my dumb little show. And more importantly for the music, she is gifted to the world. You can find Nicole on her website, www.nicoleatkins.com, and on Instagram and Twitter, at Nicole Atkins. Her album, Italian Ice, is available on your streaming service of choice, and be on the lookout for the live version coming out this fall. If you have not already, please subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Matter of fact, why don't you go ahead and subscribe and review us on some of the ones you don't get your podcast from, you know, just for good measure. And as always, if you are an overachiever and you want to earn yourself a super awesome John Scout merit badge for citizenship of the world, you can do it just by rating and reviewing us. How simple is that? Don't forget to visit www.yothatsmyjohn.com and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash yothatsmyjohn for updates and live streams. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Yo That's My John and find the Yo That's My John YouTube channel and like and subscribe the heck out of that ish. We want to hear from you. Reach out. Reach out and touch some John. We're back. We're back in the saddle. Oh yeah. New season, new me. Feeling kind of cute. Might post this. IDK. Thanks, as always, for listening. Blue skies. Until next time, everybody. Your taste in music doesn't have to be measured. You ain't being judged. You won't get a score. So what the- Yo, That's My John is a Lonely Monk production written and produced by yours truly, Nate Runkle. Theme song by Phil Tyler Music featuring Nate 3.0. Special thanks to Fox Run Brands, DX Ferris, Andrew Scott, Natalie Runkle, and the incredibly brilliant and wickedly stunning Katie Daubney. If you or anyone you know has any ideas they would like to share or any guests they would like to hear on the podcast, please feel free to reach out to us at yo that's my john at gmail.com. Or you can leave an audio message for us and possibly hear yourself on a future episode by visiting anchor.fm slash ytmj slash message. Until next time. 
Be sure to displace the guilt and embrace the pleasure and shout to the world, yo, that's my John. <laughs>